This is a part two of a message that we started last week that was in some sense a, you might say, a, a prophetic sense, a prophetic word from Don in regards to a passage in John 7 where Jesus preaches his gospel. <laughs> his, he brings a good news invitation. And so I want to read it here, just quickly review, and today's going to be trying to get very practical on how do we respond in the way that Jesus encourages us and challenges us to respond. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this is Jesus, picture the scene, standing up at one of these very important big parties, Jewish festivals that God had commanded his people to have as part of their rhythm of life, stopping from the busyness of life, remembering good things that God has done and perpetuating that praise, perpetuating that gratitude, that posture of living life in remembrance and reflection of all the great things God has done. Thank him for it, praise him for it, and look forward to the future because he's got more coming. And God really instituted that as a way of life, and that continues today for us in various rhythms of, of Sabbath and celebration. And so it's in this one of these moments where Jesus stands up and he preaches a very short gospel message. If you're thirsty, come to me. It's a beautiful thing. I love how it affirms that we have souls that were created to be satisfied. And our thirst for pleasure, for longing, for satisfaction are not bad things. They're God-given things because we have a soul made to be satisfied in God. And so what we looked at last week was quite simply this incredible truth that we have a soul that is made to be satisfied in connection with God in such a way that we overflow with abundant life. That word overflow is what we focused on. It's so good that we're not made to just simply get by life, just struggling and striving. But as we deepen in that soul connection, that relationship with God, we're made to be thriving. We're made to be overflowing. Jesus says, come to me all who are thirsty and drink. And what is the result? Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. Overflow, abundance. That's a picture of the abundant life that Jesus said in John 10, 10. He came to give. He says, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come from heaven to earth so that you may have life in its fullest, in its abundance, in its overflow. It's this picture of this fountain flowing. As God is that eternal fountain that overflows into us, we can then live life of overflow, abundance, thriving, vitality, where the fruit of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit actually flows out of us. We don't have to ask that question, is your, is your cup half empty or half full? The biblical picture is your cup is meant to overflow. That's what you're made for. 
And so we spent good time last week digging into that incredible truth that we're made to overflow. But within that good news, Jesus issues a challenge. It's a command, actually. He says, come to me and drink. Both of those verbs are in the imperative. Come and drink. So the implication is, Jesus brings an invitation. If you're thirsty, come to me. I'm the source. Your, your created purpose is to overflow, but if you don't come to him and drink, you're not going to overflow. And so last week we ended with really looking at how do we assess our lives with the idea of am I coming and drinking, am I coming to Jesus and drinking? Am I recognizing that soul thirst and where am I going to drink? And so this week we want to really hone in on really three simple images, tools, that can help us to assess and build awareness of what's flowing out of us and where are we going to drink. Because we really believe this is, this is not meant to be just a theory on Jesus's, you know, from Jesus, that, oh, it's this kind of abstract idea that, yeah, I'm made to to have living water flow out of me and Jesus is the answer and I gotta go to Jesus and trust in him, believe in him, drink from him. And that is not meant at all to stay in this theoretical, abstract realm. This is meant to be a description of your personal relationship with God. It's meant to be intensely practical. It's meant to be something that we're carrying with us every day in life where we have an actual real relationship with the living God. And that as we learn to go to Jesus and drink, that relationship with God is going to get more powerful, not less powerful, more personal, not less personal, more present where he, we know he's with us. And so this message today is really focused on some incredibly just practical tools, images, kind of pictures from God's word that are meant to help us as we walk through life. I hope, you know, I, I, I trust that in this church family, there's this common ground of we're thirsty for more of Jesus. We know he's real. We know he's alive. We know he can be personal, powerful, and present. And I just want more of that. That is what I'm made for. I've found what I'm looking for, but I just want more. And so this message is practical ways to be assessing where and when is my soul thirsty? How can I recognize that and where am I going to drink? And so we want to use three images today, three pictures from God's word in some ways very simple that by the time we're done, hopefully at least one of them really sticks out to you that you can be practicing in your everyday life. In that relationship with God throughout the day, you're practicing that awareness of where am I going to drink? Jesus said, come to me and drink so I can have rivers of living water flowing out of me by the power of his spirit. So where am I going throughout the day to, to drink? Am I going to Jesus to drink? Am I seeking that communion with him? So our three images today are gonna be a referee, a mouth, 
and a cork. Referee, mouth, and cork. If one of those sticks with you and you practice it, we promise by the power of the Holy Spirit and based on his word, you are going to draw closer to Jesus and more living waters will flow out of you. So let's look, look at the first one here. The referee of the Spirit. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What's fascinating here is the word translated rule, brabeo, the literal word is referee or umpire. It's a word that's only used once in the entire Bible, and Paul, being the astute missionary that he is, writing a letter to the church at Colossae, which is a Greek-speaking people, a Greek-cultured people, a predominantly Greek church, he pulls a word right out of their common vernacular, right out of their culture that is used to describe one of the most favorite things in Greek culture, which was the Olympic sports in the arena. Something that they're all very familiar with. The culture's built in many ways around the arena games and the competition that happens in the arena. And so he uses this word, brabeuo, which is that word for the referee in the arena. And so he invokes this image that they would all know very well. The role of this referee or umpire is to blow the whistle, so to speak, to direct the game. So it can mean rule, yes, which is a good word. I mean, we want to have God ruling and reigning in every way in our hearts, no question. I mean, that's the, that is the confession of Jesus as Lord, is to say, I want you to rule and reign in every aspect. I surrender. I've tried to be king. I've tried to be queen. It doesn't work. I've done it on my own strength. I've done it for my own agenda. I surrender. No, you're not only my savior, you're my Lord. You are my master. That's the biblical kind of discipleship language. I'm following you. I want you to rule and reign over everything. I want you to renew everything, every thought, every desire, every motivation, every action. I want you to rule and reign. And so that's, that's a very good sense of what we want Christ to do in our hearts. But the specific, real nuanced application of this is let the Holy Spirit, let the peace of the Spirit be like a referee that blows the whistle and guides you throughout each day. That is such a specific and clear and powerful image that we can ask ourselves, are we attentive to the referee blowing the whistle? Are we attentive to and allowing and growing in our awareness of hearing the Holy Spirit blow that whistle? Say, nope, go a little bit that way. Nope, go a little bit that way. And it's fascinating to see the, the context in which Paul urges this Greek 
speaking in Greek cultured group to, to see the Holy Spirit like that, that referee that they know so well. See that referee blowing the spirit in their, or excuse me, blowing the whistle in their hearts to guide them through life. Not coincidentally, it's within a context of Paul teaching them how to step away from an old life of sin and step into, or more appropriately, using Paul's language, put on this new life of what I would clearly see as overflowing abundance of Christ's power in us. So it's put off the old life, put on the new life of Christ's overflowing power. And how do you do that? Grow more attentive to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit being that referee that blows the whistle. Says less of that, more of that. Turn from that, go towards that. Stop drinking from that, drink from Jesus. Let's look at the passage real quick. It's kind of a long one, but I've given enough intro that exactly the sense we're going for will, will pop out here. Colossians 3, we'll start in verse 1. I kind of hit a little summary of it up there in a bridged version. He's talking about if you've been raised with Christ, so that's your identity in Christ. If you believe in him, guess what? You're already raised up with him. <laughs> You're already in heaven with him in the spirit. And now we get to live from that place of Christ's victory where we're already seated with him. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Why not? Because you have died. Your old life has died. And now your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So he's talking about this incredible spiritual reality that's already ours in Christ. We're already seated in the heavens and we're already dead to our old self. But here's where the interesting thing comes in. He's going to say, because you're already dead, put to death your old ways. So there's both, it's like the potential, the spiritual potential. In Christ, he sat you in the heavens and your old man is already dead. So now you need to choose by where you're going to, to drink. Are you gonna put that old man to death and put on the new self? So much of it has to, comes down to is the referee of the Holy Spirit blowing the whistle and are you listening? Or when he blows the whistle, are we listening? So verse five. Put to death, therefore, what's earthly in you, which, remember, is already dead, but somehow you got to still put it to life or put it to death. That's like what sin is. Sin is, like, sin is like this zombie. It just won't die, but it's already dead. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, which he just said was already dead. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming in these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to each other, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices. <laughs> you see this? This is just called relationship. That's why it's back and forth. He's saying, put to death what's already died and what you've already put off. That's that tension of God's done it. Are you going to walk in it? 
God's made it possible. Are you going to choose to walk in that power of the Spirit? It's dead, so put it to death and put it off. Having, back to verse 9. Having put off the old self with its practices and, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. So you've already put on the new self and it is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator. Meaning, meaning you have put on the new self now in Christ and your character is being transformed to be more like Christ. Verse 11, here there is no Greek nor Jew Circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, it's just back and forth. You have put on the new self. You are being renewed, so put on then your new self. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. If you have a complaint, forgiving one another as the Lord's forgiven you, you must also forgive. And here it is. Above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ be the referee in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ, this is kind of the summary, I believe, like the culmination point of what he's teaching here. All these things to put off this old self, put on the new self that's already yours in Christ, and how do you do that? Be aware of the peace of Christ. Let, it, let, let the peace of Christ, that Holy Spirit peace, be ruling, be the referee in your heart, blowing the whistle to say stay away from that, Stop going to that. Here's your new life. Put on the new life in Christ so that you can live in this overflowing abundance of Christ-likeness that is yours in Christ and, and, and is what you are being renewed and transformed to become. And so it's just this powerful picture of the Holy Spirit is our guide. Are we growing in that awareness each and every day of where is the Holy Spirit blowing the whistle? Saying, stay away from that, move towards that. Are we listening? Are we attentive to the peace of the Holy Spirit blowing the whistle to guide us away from the old life and into more of the abundant life of overflow. That's one picture that is just incredibly simple, practical, real. We've all tasted it at times. And this is now about coming to him and drinking. So this is our part in saying, God, help me grow in that awareness to hear that whistle of the referee of the Spirit guiding me, leading me, not just away from bad things, but into the good things. God, I want to be so sensitive to that, that, little, that little chirp of the Spirit. God, I want to be that guy that it doesn't have to be that... Hello! Right? We need that sometimes, but I want it to be that guy where I'm just that... God, the Holy Spirit's like... I'm like, yes, I'm, you know? You know? 
I mean, because he'll just blow until it's just annoying and piercing and breaking your ears and you just have to listen because he loves you so much. Come to me and drink. <laughs> just like, okay, fine. But grow in that awareness to where it's just that little subtle. And you're like, oh, man, yes, yes, that's where I want to drink today. I want to I drink from you every day. God, make me aware of just the tiniest little chirp of that whistle, that tiniest little blow of the Spirit, because you want me to live life satisfied, drinking from you, overflowing from you. And whether it's I, I start the day with you in a big drinking and, and very intentional, I'm reading the word, I'm praying, I'm journaling, I'm worshiping, or I'm ending the day in that, or it's that tiny little subtle, come to me real quick. You got five minutes on your, on your lunch break. You got 10 minutes while the baby's taking a nap. You got 15 minutes where you got a little free time, and it's just that, am I, am I attentive to, am I checking in throughout the day Am I listening and allowing the Holy Spirit to check in with me and just, it's, I got a little something for you. Turn that screen off or, you know, you don't need that right now. Just come to me here. I, I had a fun one like two Thursdays ago. I was in a coffee shop and, and reading and waiting for my son to finish basketball practice to take him home. And, and it was just this little, as I don't know why, the, the lyrics of a worship song came into mind of uh, that old hymn, uh, In Christ Alone. And, and for whatever reason, just kind of popped into my mind. And the, the, the lyrics started like, wow. That's like, man, those lyrics are just ridiculous. Like, you know, he holds my destiny. Jesus, he holds my destiny. So I started doing that. I started feeling that in the, in the chair in the coffee shop and started to feel a little emotional. And it's like, I'm going to, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to bust this out in the coffee shop right now. That would ruin it. That would ruin them. That would not be good for me. So I just, I was like, but it was interesting because it was just like out of the blue, this little, and I could feel myself getting like thirsty. Like I'm thirsty right now. Like I, I, I crave this. I need this. Like I need to, I need to hear these lyrics right now. I need to sing this song right now. And so I just went and got in my car and put on YouTube song. And there we go in the parking lot. Thankfully got some tinted windows within like a minute. I'm just crying in the parking lot. Jesus commands my destiny. And in that, I mean. Do you want your flag? Where's my flags at? <laughs> Took my flags. I didn't take your flags. I don't know where your flags are. I know, I know. But it was, it was, it was such a gift. And it wasn't long. It was like five minutes. And then it was like it kind of passed. And it went. And I, you know, so I'm not, I'm not trying to pit this because like, in the rest of the day, I'm just like in the third heaven. It's just glory. No, it was just, it was like filled up, connected with his presence, had this just, just, a, just, a, a, just a beautiful drink from the well. And then it kind of passed, went back in the coffee shop. And I'll just say, and my day was much better. It wasn't like now I'm living in heaven. And just, you know, no, it was like drink. Just got like, just a little filled up, a little overflowing, loving Jesus, connected with Freshly connected with one of the thousand and one different glorious truths of who he is, and my day is better. Back to work. And it was just this fun, cool example of like, and got me excited to say, man, how many of those little do I kind of ignore? 
am, am I, am I, help me, God. Help me, Holy Spirit, grow in hearing that little chirp, in sensing that thirst, in, in going to you and drinking. That just changed my day. That day, I could say, yeah, I lived overflowing. There's hope, there's satisfaction, there's joy, there's trust in who he is, hope for the future as he commands my destiny, and it was just cool. Live from overflow that day. And what the promise from God is, that's, he wants us to live in overflow every day. And he's just wanting to teach us by the referee blowing the whistle, the Holy Spirit saying, here's how, here's today, here's today, here's today. And just let me teach you how I want you to drink so that you're living in overflow. All right, we're going we're gonna to popcorn uh, to the, the third image. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And go from there. That's perfect. Popcorn. My turn. Um, I want to first add one other thing to the peace of Christ, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Um, so he is peace. He is our peace. And peace is stillness and connection. If we're too busy, if we're not constantly checking in, connecting, and drinking, we'll miss it. You know, just like... Um, I try to think of my worlds like Elijah when he's in the cave and there are all these loud noises. And then the Lord is in the quiet whisper. And in our day and age, there are so many trays and platters laid out for us that constantly are vying for our attention. And um, they take us away from the stillness and the peace of being connected to his presence. And as long as we're on that super fast highway of all of the screens and the social media and the commercials, um, we really aren't acquainted with that peace. I'm just being honest. And I feel convicted all of the time, you know, where I'm like, throw away my phone, burn it, <laughs> you know? I mean, because it's, it, they're, they're really the science behind it, it's 100% addictive. You get a dopamine hit when you check a text. You know, and so I'll just find, I'll intentionally keep it away from me, you know, when I'm spending time with the Lord, and then I'll find my mind, it's like it wants to go check, and it's like, wow, this, this, is, this is addicting. There's no way around it, you know. If, if you put your phone for a few hours, and you, how many times do you think, oh, well, I should go, no, you know. Um, so there were a few times that my phone was broken, and I felt a level of peace that I haven't felt since before phones came around, and I diligently keep it away from me throughout the day. So I can't even imagine, if you're on it all day long, what that would do to sabotage the connection and the awareness and the stillness. And so for me, and kind of a, just a helpful mindset and tool that I want to pass on is that stillness and the whisper in the cave that we want to make sure that we are connected and in a place of that stillness, that the world around us is so busy, it's so loud, it, it wants to keep us connected to it 
all of the time. And quite frankly, the root of that is, I mean, you know, they, people want to sell things. They want to keep us busy. But honestly, um, Instagram and social media and TikTok and whatever, you know, especially in the younger generation, it's like there, there's a constant connection and a constant never still always entertained, always fast images, fast motions, fast things, and you literally don't even know what you were created to be. You are so out of touch with it. It's, all, it's like you're on drugs all day, to be quite, to be quite frank with you. So, um, I, yeah, I just really want to encourage us for his peace to be the referee, that stillness and that connection, and when there's not that peace, let that blow a whistle for us. All right, so we're changing things up a little bit. Oh, these are yours. Can you actually hold your notes? I'm going to go to my notes. Um, this is perfect because as he was sharing this part of the message, we had gone over it, you know, kind of solidified it up, you know, the order that we were going to go in yesterday. And as he's talking this morning, I'm feeling like, oh, what I have to share would be so perfect right after that. And somehow we didn't realize that last night, but he listens to the Holy Spirit, so I'll keep him. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, so yeah, this is, I'm really, I'm excited about this. Um, so this last image is a cork, a cork that gets in the way of that fountain that we talked about in John 7, you know, also in John 4. Um, but there are corks that get in the way. And the, the corks are our mindsets, our thoughts, our agreements, our words, our actions. Um, anything that is, you know, that is against the spirit, it stops at the flow of the spirit. Um, and before I go into kind of examples of that, I actually just want to read two verses that paint that picture of the quenching or the corking up of the spirit that is possible. First Thessalonians 5, um, I'm just going to read 14 to 19, the actual verse is 19. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirits. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every evil, from every form of evil. Um, so in verse 19, that word do not quench the spirit, um, that word in the Greek literally means to put out, to extinguish as in a fire, just like a fire extinguisher, you're just like, Psh, I'm just going to put it out. Or if we're using the fountain in John 7 as our, um, you know, as our visual for the Holy Spirit, uh, that word quench, the other four terms that it, it means is, so it's ex extinguish, stifle, ex sorry, put out, extinguish, stifle, 
suppress, a.k.a. your fountain just got corked, right? Um, so our thoughts, our mindsets, our agreements, our actions, our words, they can either facilitate the flow of the fountain of the Holy Spirit within us, or they can put a cork in it. You know, with Jesus, it's all, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit operating in us, it's all about the rubber hitting the road. You know, when we spend time with the Lord and we're listening to him and we're asking him to transform our hearts, this is supposed to be every thought every mindset. This isn't just, you know, when you have your time with God and then you go off and do your own thing. Everything, every thought, every mindset should be coming under the rule and the reign of Christ. If it's not his will, if it's not in his character, and if it's not in heaven, then we should have a little whistle that goes off, I need to pursue God on that. You know, if I think a critical thought or if I have a negative feeling about myself or anyone else, boom, right there. I, that, that emotion, our emotions, our thoughts, our mindsets are either corking it up or they're facilitating a flow. And as we saw in Colossians, we are in process. So there's no condemnation. You know, in Hebrews, the word tells us to come to the throne of grace, to find grace to help in time of need. Why? Because we ain't perfect. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. What a shock. And we're in process. That's why that uh, verse just kept belaboring, put on, put off. Put on, put off, put on, put off. Be transformed. Continually press in. But we need to be aware of, if we want to be walking in more of the fullness, then we need to be bringing every thought and every mindset. And we're going to go into more of the thoughts and the mindsets and the partner partnering with the kingdom of God or partnering with the enemy in a future message. You know, 1 Corinthians um, 10, 3 to 5 talks about that pretty amazingly. And we're not going to go there today. But the bottom line is where we're focusing today is that flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives and wanting to partner with God for that to be continually increasing. Um, can I, can yeah, I just yeah. jump real quick? It's just such an interesting word of quench. <clears throat> you have the power to quench the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He's not just like yeah, like that's strong. exactly. So that's where it's like that almost sounds heretical, right? Except it's in the Bible. <laughs> so that's where when we say things like the promise of God, God's word says God's will is that we would live a life of overflow of like the living waters, a fountain that's flowing out of us. That is God's will because it's a promise from Jesus. Well, why isn't it happening? God's will, he's sovereign. Who can stop the spirit? 
You, it's right here. You can stifle it. You can suppress it. You can say, no, God, I don't want this right now, and literally put a cork on God's will in your life. It's, it's just right there in the Bible. Or you could just stare at a screen all day, same thing. That's the same thing. So where we get excited about this is it over and over reinforces the, your relationship with God is real. You have a relationship. He didn't, now that he's saved you before or now, whatever, you're not a robot. It's a relationship. That's why Jesus genuinely says, if you want rivers of living water to come out of you, come to me and drink. And so that's encouraging, exciting, but sobering. Mm -hmm. We don't blame God for our bad fruit. Maybe that's a, like, well, God, God hasn't done this yet in my life. Oh, Really? He hasn't made you patient like, because he's just waiting for a good time you, you, you know, before you cause enough damage. You know, okay, now I'm going to make him patient. No, he's saying, this is my will for you. Are you going to put a cork in this? Or are you going to listen and come to me and drink? And, and it gets us excited to say, that's his will. He wants us to live more and more in overflow. Yeah. Um, the other verse that talks about the, the quenching, grieving of the Spirit, putting out the Spirit, corking at the Spirit, is Ephesians 4, 29 to 32. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Um, I want to add one thing. So we don't all, you know, a lot of times these translations, they're a little bit older. They're not necessarily um, words that we would say relate to hugely. So this whole, um, let clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, you know, everybody could kind of go by that and be, oh, I don't do that. I don't clamor, slander. I don't have malice. You know, kind of, it doesn't really hit a chord in us. So I actually wanted to just read for that little part, the message translation. Make a clean break with all cutting backbiting, and profane talk, a.k.a. don't say bad stuff about people. <laughs> don't say bad stuff about people. Dawn's translation. So, you know, that, that right there hits home a little bit more. Um, you know, if it's critical, for me, these are kind of my things. You know, sometimes I'll see things and it's like, oh, like I, I see more that God wants more for somebody, so I can partner with God for, on their behalf is I would want somebody to come and to plead my case and to just thank God for the power of his cross freeing me up. But the bottom line is it's not, if all I'm doing is just seeing something and staying critical in judgment, um, then I'm pretty much just partnering with the devil for the strongholds and the works that he has in their life. The, and, and if the Lord wants to use me to speak to that person, 
not in a judgmental way, coming with, I heard from the Lord and you have these issues. That's actually not even biblical um, prophecy. And, you know, we can get into that another time. We've gone through it many times. But, you know, if, if basically sometimes the Lord will lead us to go, especially with people who are closer to us, hey, you know, I want to share this with you. I really feel like um, I adore you. I love you. I feel like there's a dryness there and God really wants you to be pressing in and spending more time with him. You know, when, when it's somebody that's a little farther away, I would say things differently. I would say things in a way that is, you know, there's not any condemnation there. It's an encouragement where I'm just sensing, you know, I, I, just, I just sense that the Lord wants to draw you to him in, intimate, in, in more and more intimacy. Um, you know, where there's not a judgment and a condemnation. But the bottom line is, if there is something that we sense, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead us on mission with him to be a part of God's work in that person's life, right? So that's being with the Holy Spirit. That's following him. Or if on their behalf, we are partnering, we are partnering with God to see his kingdom come. So we're not seeing them as they are, whether they're gossiping, backbiting, whatever. We're, we're saying, God, how do you see them? And we're saying, yes, Jesus, thank you, thank you. And it's not from a place of judgment because we got all sorts of issues. We're all plank guys. If we're looking with a critical spirit and judgment and other people, then we probably got multiple planks hanging out of our eyes as we look around just smacking on stuff. So, um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to... Throw that in there because that verse is awesome. It, it, that was a little off the focus, um, but I think that that verse is awesome, and um, it really is a stifling as well and a quenching of the Spirit, and I think that's what this, this verse, it says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, and it talks about a lot of different examples of what grieves, could, could grieve the Holy Spirit. And then in all of these verses, the verse in Colossians and this verse, it goes into, and also Galatians 5 goes into the fruit, what we would call the fruit of the Spirit. What we would call, um, you know, just when, when we have a life that's connected with God and the Holy Spirit is transforming us, what's coming out of us? Um, we're tenderhearted. We're forgiving, just as God in Christ forgave us. Um, but the point here of this verse, Ephesians 4.29, was that it's a legit and real thing. You can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You can grieve the Spirit. And when somebody is grieved or sad, there's like a pulling back and there is a retracting. You know, if I'm, when we get upset at each other, we're not so connected we're not so connected. If I hurt him, he shut down. We are not connected. It is a real and living relationship. And I feel like that's something also that's just really good to remember. You know, we can kind of just separate our thoughts and our mindsets and, oh, that's no big deal. I don't like this person. You know, I went into a store and there was, um, there's a, um, a very, uh, demonstrative um, person in there that is trans, right? A, a guy that's a girl, you know, the whole nine yards. 
and just the booty shake and all this. And it's just, I mean, I don't want to see anybody do that. The slow walk and the booty shake. And I'm just like, oh, this is really hard to be around. I don't really want my kids seeing this. It's like on display, just this like flagrant, like very sexual stuff going on. And I wasn't blessing. I was being critical. I looked over there. Now it may be right, but that doesn't mean I'm partnering with the spirit. That means I'm looking at what's wrong and I'm partnering with the devil, right? And you know what God said to me? He's my son. He's my son. And it's like, <gasps> like it's, it's your son. I need to be partnering and praying for and calling out the divine glory that you created in your son and even thinking about all of the difficult things, whatever they've been through, that have gotten them to that point, wrong mindset. And I grieved the Holy Spirit because I was thinking critical thoughts of his beloved son, his cherished and beloved son. Um, okay. Next. All right, how to pull your corks and increase the flow of the Holy Spirit within you. Go after it. Express to God that you want more of him, that you want to experience more of his Holy Spirit flowing through you. And just Express it to him. I want to hunger more for you. I want more of you. If you don't have hunger, if you don't even have hunger, ask him for it. Ask him for it, and he'll give it to you. Um, God loves when we open up our hearts to him. He loves when we open up our hearts to him about everything. Don't pretend to be perfect. Don't pretend like, oh, I have perfect desire for you. Tell him. Yeah, take away the desire for this. I need you. I want more of you. I want more of your Holy Spirit. Be honest with them about all those issues. Not in a condemning way, because he doesn't want you condemning yourself. If you do that, you are not in agreement and not receiving the grace that he purchased for you on the cross. And you're actually in agreement with the devil who wants you to live in bondage and shame because guess what? We're all messed up. We're all bound. And if he can keep us there, then we won't partner, then we won't grab his hand to be transformed in any way because we'll just sit there in bondage because we're so bad. So open up your hearts to him. Ask him to transform your heart, to bring more of your spirit, and he absolutely bring more of his spirit. And he absolutely adores this. In the same way. That, you know, when my kids open up to me and they share these deep things in their hearts and they ask for my help, it's, I treasure it. When they let me deep inside, I mean, and, and I'm not a perfect parent. Think of God, who's the perfect parent. How much he just delights when we share with him the treasures of the things that are in our heart. He absolutely delights in that. So I just want us to keep that in mind as we go from here and as we're asking the Holy Spirit, you know, I want more of you. Show me, show me. Um, 
Show me more of yourself. He's delighted in that. And the very, act, the very act of asking him is worship. It's you're better than everything else. I want more of you. It is an act of worship, just like that message, that beautiful message that Casey did a few weeks back. It is like incense to him. It delights him. And it is so beautiful. And so that is a really healthy mindset that I want to share as we are, in essence, asking the Holy Spirit to show us. You know, um, in other verses, like, the Holy Spirit convicts us. You know, when we feel the conviction, but there can, all, there can oftentimes be an unhealthy viewpoint of um, the conviction from the Holy Spirit. The conviction from the Holy Spirit is loving, it's um, kind, it's that he loves us so much that he wants to give us more of himself. There's no shame. It's not, you're not being scolded. So when he comes in and he shows you a mindset that he wants to change, make sure that it's, you're not viewing that through the mindset of I'm so bad or shame because he's coming because he wants to give you more of himself and he loves you so, so, so much. You know, when I am honest with people and I say things to people that a lot of people wouldn't say, it's because I love them so much and I'm aware that people get mad at stuff like that. Like when I get blunt with people and I tell them that like sexual stuff before you're married is sin and it will keep you from the presence of God and it will grieve the Holy Spirit from you, it's because I love them so much that I get over the fact that they might be mad at me for saying that. I care too much about them. I care way too much. And it's okay if they get upset because I care more about them than I do about me. So um, he loves us, he loves us, he loves us, he loves us. He has so much good for us. He wants to give us more of himself. He wants to transform us. And if there's ever shame company, accompanied with that or a condemnation, it ain't from the spirit. You just look the devil in the eye and you say, uh-uh. Quote some verses at him, say, I'm covered by the blood. I'm pure. I'm free. That's how he sees me. I was singing.